Uh, my name is Ben. I'm the discipleship pastor here at North Point. I'm also the pastor to our college students, uh, which is why I get to talk to you this morning about how to be single. And, uh, and so uh, looking forward to that. But uh, before we uh, dive into God's word, I'd just like to give you a piece of news. Uh, every uh, seven years of service, our pastors are given what's called a sabbatical. We are given seven weeks uh, to disconnect. Uh, uh, Steve uh, reminded me, it's, uh, Pastor Steve said, it's like unstringing the bow. The, the bow that's always bent is the one that breaks. It's an old proverb he shared with me. And so uh, we, we, get a, we are given a chance uh, to seek the Lord, to rest in the Lord, to spend time with family, and to come back uh, uh, refueled and ready for another seven years of ministry. So tomorrow, I go on sabbatical, so you won't see me for a while. So the good news is, is if this message uh, doesn't uh, land well with you, uh, you won't have to hear f- from me uh, for a while. And, uh, I, but I will miss you. I will be praying for you. I love you. And uh, so thankful for you. Now, uh, I want to start just by reading from God's word and then praying Uh, over you. And so could we just stand for the reading of God's word together? Would you guys be up for that? Amazing. We're gonna read from 1 Corinthians chapter seven, starting in verse 25. It says this, now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I wanna spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Uh, Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please God, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world and how he can please his wife and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way and undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried that he, may, he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he's engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this room full of people. Uh, Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you teach teach us what's right in your eyes. Uh, Lord Jesus, I pray for the single folks in the room that you would empower them to live a godly life, to live in freedom, to live in the joy of the Lord. We pray against the lies that the enemy tells the single people in our congregation and in our world. God, I pray for the married people in the room. God, I pray that you would bless them with a renewed understanding of what their single brothers and sisters walk through and struggle with. God, that they might love them and serve them and care for them in Jesus' name. And God, all God's people said, amen. amen. Y'all can have a seat. Good to be here with you. Now, I don't know if you noticed it, the, uh, the punchiest part of this passage of scripture is right at the end. It says, uh, the one who remains single, he does better. He does better. And, and you, you marry folks in the room and you're like, oh shoot, <laughs> I missed out, right? And, uh, and he does better. But, but 
<laughs> okay, I'm in trouble already. But, uh, but here's the thing. When I was a single person reading this passage of scripture, I found that incredibly difficult to believe. It, it's so hard to believe that being single is better in the world that we live in. In fact, uh, when I lived in Seattle, I was working at a church and I was one of three single people uh, in a church plant. Uh, and just to, to give you perspective of the, the demographics of this church, at one point, uh, there were 100 adults and 150 kids. It was like that book, Lord of the Flies, every week for the glory of God, right? And, and uh, man, I felt out of place more than I felt in place. Uh, you know, it's funny how when you feel different, you feel distant from people, and that's how I felt. And I remember one moment this was especially uh, uh, strong. Uh, I, uh, I walked out of our worship uh, space into the hallway, and it was a uh, Goliath confronted by David moment. There was a two-year-old toddler standing 12 feet from me, and we both froze, right? And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and then like, like a stone from a sling, he began to scream, and cry and wail. And I'm like, oh Lord, what do I do? Like, I'm like, help adult, Where's the, where are the adults, you know? And, and uh, I felt, I can tell you, I felt so uncomfortable in that moment. And, and the thoughts that scrolled through my mind are, man, I don't fit in here. I don't belong here. Uh, I, I don't know what to do. I, at, to this point, no kids, had never held a baby, never changed a diaper. I'm pretty sure I'd never held a toddler. I was the youngest in my family, uh, the youngest uh, cousin, the youngest sibling, and I just felt out of place. And, and can I tell you that there are, man, there are hundreds of single people in our church. And, and the truth is, is that you can become single a lot of different ways, right? You can uh, be single and ready to mingle, right? Those, those young 20-somethings who, they, they, they want to be attached, but they're not. Uh, you can be single by choice. You choose, man, I wanna live a life of undivided devotion to the Lord. I'm, I'm not interested in being married. You can be single uh, by heartbreak, uh, divorce, uh, or uh, being widowed. And, uh, and there's lots of single people in our congregation that, uh, that need the support of the rest of the body of Christ, that need the encouragement, the edification, and the challenge of the body of Christ. And so if you're married in the room, uh, this message is as much for you as it is for them. Now, uh, if you're single in the room or, or online, if you're single and watching this message, man, I would just love to redeem singleness at least a little bit for you. Uh, I'd love for you to see your singleness as a superpower because that's what Paul says. He says, it's better to be single. Does that sound like a, a good plan? You guys up for that? All right, let's do it. Okay, so here, here's the first thing that we, we've got to do. Uh, there's a lot of lies that are easy for single people to believe. And, uh, and I want to share with you just four lies that have a tendency to ruin singleness. Now, these are not all of the lies, but these are four that I think show up uh, quite frequently, and, uh, and I'd like to confront them. So the first one is this. You can write it down. I'm lonely because I'm single. I'm lonely because I'm single. I don't have a significant other. I'm not engaged. I'm not married, and so I'm lonely. This is a lie from the enemy. Uh, this lie is like saying, uh, I can't drive because I don't own a Lamborghini, it's like, you know, you may not be able to afford a Lamborghini, but, but maybe you can afford a 2002 Camry, right? And the Camry is not gonna make your heart race. It's not gonna get you any, any, uh, any status or reputation, but it'll drive you out of loneliness. Do you know uh, how many people there are on the planet? There's, there's around 8 billion people on the planet. And, and you're telling me that you're lonely because you're single? 
There's a lot, there's a lot of options, right? You don't have to date all of them. You can be friends with them. Uh, you, can, you can find a mentor. You, you know, uh, it's crazy. You know how many of those people have a cell phone? 7.28 billion. There's more people with phones than have houses. It's amazing. And, and so you, you've heard the expression, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? And, and you, know, you got your cell phone in your hand. You've got like 7.27 billion birds in the hand. I, I would just say, if, you, if there's nobody that you can call and invite out to lunch, if there's nobody that you can text uh, and ask to pray for you, then you may, believe, you may be believing this lie. I'm lonely because I'm single. This is especially true for us as believers. I mean, listen to how Paul describes the body of Christ, the family of God. In Ephesians 2, 18, he says this, for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. In other words, uh, at every moment, even if you're, you're completely alone, you, you're in the presence of God. Loneliness is a lie for every believer. You have access to the Father who, who hears your prayers and has things to say about you and to you. Amen? Listen, listen to how he goes on. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. In other words, uh, you, you have people to share the work that God has given you to do. You're not alone in the purpose that God has assigned to you as a believer in Jesus. Is that not good news? You're not alone in, in living out your faith. And then he says, and you're also members of his household, which means as the family of God, we have people that we can share life with, break bread together with. You're not alone in your personal life. And then he goes on, he says, he says, built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. In other words, we can seek the presence of God. We can worship together. You're not alone in living out your faith. Isn't that beautiful? That's the truth of who you are as a Christian. Uh, but too often, uh, we, we allow loneliness uh, to lead us into a lie. And, and if you believe this lie, I'm, I'm lonely because I'm single, you'll get trapped in it. You'll get stuck in it. You won't see all of the people sitting next to you. Look left and right. You got some people next to you. Are you, you no, seriously, look left and right. Like, <laughs> there's people next to you. These are people that, that are seeking the Lord. They're people that you can know and can know you. Don't believe the lie. God has provided for us a deep and wide fellowship. All right, here's the second lie. Uh, I can't connect because all my friends are married. I can't connect because all my friends are married. Now, granted, when you get married, and especially when you have kids, your schedule gets a little bit more full and more rigid. Can I get an amen from you married people in the room? You're like, oh man, I, I, I gotta pick my kids up. I, I can't, there's no wiggle room because they're five, right? And, uh, and it's true, it, it's difficult. It's difficult to, to connect and and uh, be in relationship uh, when you get married and when you add to the responsibilities of your life. And this is why Paul says, I, I, would, I would rather you be free from these concerns because it, it makes it challenging, but it is completely a lie and it makes me incredibly sick, this lie, I can't connect because all my friends are married. Just listen to how God's word describes the church. You guys ready? This is Romans 12, it says this, it says, 
For, for as in one body we have many members, so he's describing us, many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, and we are many, uh, as one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Now let me just ask you a question. Well, what does a hand need to do to be connected to the body? What does it need to do? Nothing. Nothing. What the Bible says about you and about me is that, that God has already knit us together, that, that God has already connected us, and we are connected uh, with the same affection for the Lord Jesus. We're connected with the same purpose, the same convictions, the same calling to go and make disciples of all nations. Can I get an amen? That's something that we're supposed to be doing? No, we can, okay, we, you can respond, it's cool. Like, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. And, and, uh, and you know, we, but we're connected. But you say, well, then why do I feel so disconnected? Nobody sits with me at church. Nobody talks to me at church. I don't have any friends. If I'm connected, then why do I feel so alone? Why do we feel disconnected? And the truth is, it's because we've believed this lie that because we're different, because we have a different role to play, because we have a different function, we're distant. It's not true. In fact, it's the differences in our church that prove that we're connected and prove that we need one another. Do you know uh, who had the most influence in my life when I was one of three single people at a church in Seattle? You know, the only people around were married. It was the married people. And man, these people, they, they changed my life. In fact, a couple of them pretty much saved my life. They, they, they set me back on the right course. You had Justin and Beth. You had the Epps family, you had uh, James and Amy Hicks, uh, you had the Jewels and their whole extended family. I remember going to, uh, to lunch with, with that family after church and there's like 30 people and I'm the only one without kids, the only person single, but they welcomed me in and I learned from them. And, and here's the great irony. Uh, now I'm married, I have uh, twin, uh, twin girls, just turned five. And, uh, and you know, uh, the friendship that has challenged me the most in this season uh, is a single dude who wears tank tops named Lewis. Ladies, if you're interested, just write Lewis on your connection cards. Uh, no, don't, don't do that. I'm kidding. I won't, I won't respond. I'm going on sabbatical. Uh, but, uh, uh, but he's challenged me in some incredible ways. In fact, uh, the reason that my wife and I have uh, a weekly date night is because of, uh, of Lewis calling me on my unintentionality. Isn't that interesting? And, and here's the thing. It's a lie that you can't connect because all your friends are married. And, and rever the reverse is true. If you're married in the room, uh, if you're married in the room and you have no friends, uh, you, you actually can connect with single people and have them bless you. This is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. Don't believe that lie. All right, here's number three. Don't believe this lie. I'm single because there is no one worth dating. I've heard this one spoken out loud time and time again. You know, in the culture of uh, online dating and uh, people uh, swiping left or sending crude and uh, ungodly messages, it's easy to believe that this lie is true. You know, you, you get, uh, you get uh, your heart broken by enough silver-tongued heartbreakers and you start to believe that there's no one out there worth dating. I, uh, I was talking with my, uh, my friend Ryan and Alfred the other, the other week, and uh, Ryan uh, uh, just got back from a fishing trip in Montana, and he said, uh, in three hours, we caught 40 fish. I'm like, you caught more fish in three hours than I've seen in person in my whole life. That's amazing, right? And, uh, 
And Alfred, uh, you know, he's a little cheeky. He said, uh, are you sure you didn't just catch the same fish 40 times? And I think to myself, uh, maybe he did. How many, how many hook holes were in your fish? Did you check? And, and Ryan said that, you know, they actually have done research on this. Did you know that a, that a rainbow trout, uh, after being hooked, on average, won't be uh, caught again for two years? Isn't that interesting? You know Why? It's because when, when you get hooked through your lungs, right, and pulled out of the water, uh, it's pretty traumatic, right? It's like, you remember that. And, uh, and I, would just, I would just like to suggest to you that, that this is actually what's happened when you're believing this lie, that your heart got hooked and it got ripped out. And, and, and it's so easy to go retreat and hide under a rock so that you can heal. But... When, when we're trying to heal from heartbreak, a lot of the times we start believing things that are untrue. You know, it's, it's really easy for the enemy to deceive you when you're broken. And, and you know, we as people are really bad at diagnosing our problems. And I just wanna encourage you, don't believe this lie that just because that the last guy that you dated ended up not being who he said he was, that there's no godly man who's worth, uh, worth saying yes to. You understand me? Now, uh, I, I love this verse in Proverbs. Kevin shares this uh, when he officiates weddings. I love, I love that he shares this verse. In Proverbs 18, it says, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Isn't that interesting? You know, I, I've seen Muppets Treasure Island. Uh, have you? It's a great movie. Uh, there's lots of pirates. There's scurvy. Uh, there's cabin fever. Uh, there's a great song about it. And, uh, uh, but it's dangerous. Treasure hunts are dangerous. They're risky sailing out into open waters. And the truth is, is that it's not that there's nobody worth dating, but rather that romance is risky, that relationships come at a cost. And I would tell you that if you're single, but you don't want to be, it's, it's worth taking the risk. But this lie will keep you from, from uh, stepping out and saying yes to a request to go on a date. And I'd just like uh, to encourage you uh, to, to reject this lie in the name of Jesus. There are people who love Jesus who are worth dating, both men and women. You know, uh, two, two billion Christians on the planet, amen? All right, hey, let me share the fourth lie with you and then I'll give you some practical things that you can do with this. The fourth lie is this, I'm single because I'm not good enough. I'm single because I'm not Good enough. You've probably heard this line a few times. It's not you, it's me. You know, you hear that enough times and you start to wonder, are they telling me the truth? Are you sure it's you and, and it's not me? And, and this, is, this is one of the things that's uh, really, really hard about being single and, and pursuing marriage is, is sometimes you just feel like there's something wrong with you. It just, it just didn't work out. It just didn't work out. It's not you, it's me. Now, I, I could talk on this live for probably four hours, and so I'll spare you. Give me four minutes. Uh, and, um, and you know, the, the, reality, the reality is, is this lie is so hard to believe, but it's absolutely false. Do you know that even if you do not believe in Jesus, God's word says that he made you in his image. He made you with a purpose, and he made you on purpose, which means there's intrinsic value to every person on the planet. You are valuable, you are good enough, you are, you are worth uh, more than you realize. And as believers, 
uh, men, this is especially true because we, we have entrusted our lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior, recognizing that we were bought at a price, the price of the blood of the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. Isn't that not incredible? Like how valuable are you? You guys see that? And the, the truth is, is that singleness is never a good enough issue. You are good enough in Christ. He has he is, uh, been pleased to adopt you as sons and daughters into his family. You are good enough, but are you grown enough? Singleness is, is sometimes not, not so much a good enough issue, but a grown enough, grown enough issue. You think about this, right? Uh, God redeems you and he saves you and he calls you according to his purposes. And when you walk with the Lord, he begins to transform you. It's called sanctification. He, he takes you from being somebody who, who's stuck in lies to, to a person who lives by the truth. He, he takes you from uh, struggling with depression to being filled with joy. Uh, he takes you from being a person who, who's, uh, who's self-centered to, a, to being a person who gives gladly and generously. And, and one of the incredible things that happens when you begin to reject the lie, I'm not good enough, is the Lord says, uh, I know you're good enough, uh, but I'm making you into the person that I always made you to be. You know, when God looks at you, uh, you may see a seed, but he sees a tree. When, uh, when uh, God looks at you, you, you may see a spiritual infant, but he sees a spiritual giant. And as you reject this lie, you begin to close that gap between insecure to confident in the Lord. It's an amazing, an amazing thing, but it starts with rejecting this lie. I'm single because I'm not good enough. All right, let's shift gears. And I have, uh, I have four uh, biblical behaviors that uh, will begin to redeem singleness in your life. And uh, don't tell Pastor Shane, because he asked me to talk about singleness, but these will actually help you if you're married. And so you can apply them to your life as well. But, uh, um, but, uh, but here we go. Uh, you know, um, my, uh, my wife noticed uh, about four, four years ago that I was really struggling. I was really worn out, frustrated, discouraged. And, uh, and so she said, hey, I signed you up for a pastor's retreat at Hume Lake. Uh, I figured out, you know, uh, who's going to watch the girls when I'm at work. You, you go, right? I'm like, all right, great. I'm out of here. So I drive up the mountain. I walk up to the registration table. I say, my name's Ben Cool. They're like, here, here's your name tag. And, uh, and then they ask me this question, where's your wife? Where's your wife? And I'm like, she's not a pastor. And they're like, well, it's a marriage retreat for people in ministry. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you serious? I can tell you that moment was incredibly awkward. I was very uncomfortable. And, and here's the thing, if I had known it was a marriage retreat for people in ministry, I never would have gone. I would have used my wife's unavailability to say, not for me. And, and, and so as I walk to my room alone, I see people like taking couples walks around, around the lake and, and I'm like, uh. But here's the thing, I, I was, I was a, a single guy, not single, but single for the weekend, with a bunch of married people, and, and man, it was a lifeline to me. Uh, I felt like I had just been, been treading water and I was about to sink. And these, these old married folks who were on doing date nights around the lake, they, they, man, they, they extended to me a lifeline in the name of Jesus. And, and this is why I think the Apostle Paul points out this principle. The principle is this, to, to not be controlled by your status. Don't be controlled by your status. And when I say status, I, I mean the, the thing that, that 
creates your identity in such a way that you, you determine how you're gonna live. Uh, the, the thing that, that causes you to say yes to something and no to another. Uh, the thing that causes you to, to set something on your calendar, calendar or reject an invitation. And, and this could be a relationship status. It could be a social pressure, a financial situation. It can be an emotional uh, state that you find yourself in. Uh, but Paul challenges the, this church in Corinth and he challenges us to not be controlled Uh, by our status, by our present circumstances. Listen to what he says in verse 29 of chapter seven. He says, from now on, those of you who have wives should live as if they do not. Now he's not telling you to divorce your wife. He's not telling you to ignore your wife. In fact, the Bible is very clear that that husbands are supposed to love their wife as Christ loved the church and and wives are supposed to uh, submit to their husbands in reverence to Christ. I can't unpack all of that, but but the point is we're supposed to give attention to our spouses. But but what he's saying is this, is is that when you are married, uh, you you should not use your marriage as an excuse to live in disobedience to who God has called you to be. In, in other words, it's, it's saying, I am going to serve the Lord. I'm gonna spend time daily with God in prayer and in his word. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna resolve to be obedient to the thing that God asked me to do, even if my husband won't do it with me. You see that? It, and I'm, I'm gonna go to church even if my wife doesn't feel like it. it it's, it's living, it's living with, with God's word and God's will as the, the, the first and primary thing. And here's the good news. If you are married and you do this, uh, what you'll find is your husband or wife doing this becomes uh, way more uh, lovable and helpful to you because this is what God has called us to as married people. And the same is true for the single folks in the room, that if you're not controlled by your status, then, then you can show up at a Tuesday night small group and be at a table with all married people and be okay. You're like, I'm going to go be a part of the church even if I'm the only single person in the room. That's what this looks like. Don't let your relationship status limit your options where it's godly and appropriate. You you see what I'm saying? Don't be controlled by your status. In fact, this is what Paul meant when he wrote to Timothy, a single guy with huge responsibilities and uh, a, a fairly small bank account. He says in 1 Timothy 6, he says, but godliness with contentment is what? Great gain, get some gains. He says it's great Gain, and he says it's great gain because we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. Being content allows you to not be controlled by your circumstances, but rather to be controlled by what God has called you to be and what God has called you to do. And that is always better. Which brings us to the second thing, be controlled by your devotion to the Lord. Don't be controlled by your status, be controlled by your devotion to the Lord. You know, uh, if you're single in the room, uh, but don't wanna be, I'm gonna give you the secret to not being single anymore. You guys ready? Here's how you find the one. Uh, and you can share this with the, the single people in your, your lives, mothers and grandmas. And, uh, and here it is. If you want to find the one, make God the one. Make God the one. Make him your singular desire. I, uh, I've given this advice uh, quite a few times. Only three uh, dudes have ever taken it, but all three of them are married. In fact, I remember the first time I gave this advice, I gave it to uh, my friend Brian six years ago, and he had just come out of uh, a breakup six months earlier. He was heartbroken, but he wanted to settle down. He wanted to, to meet, uh, meet the, uh, the girl of his dreams and marry her and have a family. 
and he was feeling uh, lonely and depressed about it. And uh, all of his uh, efforts were not working. Anybody ever been there? Dating's hard. It's so hard. And so I, I look at Brian and I say, Brian, here's what I'd, I'd encourage you to do. Uh, spend one year and think nothing of dating. Think nothing of women. And, and devote yourself to hearing God's voice and doing what he says. One year. Can you do it? He's like, I don't know. Uh, but I'll try. And I said, you know, hey, if you, if you start thinking about girls, talk to God about it. You know, isn't, that, isn't it cool? Like when you're a single person, you, you think about, you think about uh, um, uh, the, the special gals in your life or, or guys in your life. You start to th- you think about the opposite sex a lot, right? You guys, it's, it's true, right? And so, man, you have, you have plenty of opportunities to talk to God. And, and here's the deal. Brian, uh, he did this. He put dating out of his mind. And every time it came up in his mind, he talked to the Lord about it. And, and you could tell he had resolved to hear from the Lord because he carried his Bible around with him literally everywhere. Like to the gym, he had it at the gym when we would go. Uh, he had it at church. He had it at school. He took it to work. And it was covered in like 18 different shades of highlighters and pen markings and prayers. You guys know the, you know the, the look? This is undivided devotion to the Lord. I just want to hear what you have to say. I want to know your voice. He did this over and over and over again. He did what Paul uh, challenges us to do as believers here in, in Corinthians 7. He says, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Uh, Brian demonstrated what undivided devotion to the Lord looked like. It's putting aside my desires to hear what God would have for me. And as a single person, can I just tell you, this is actually your superpower. Uh, This is the thing that that you have a leg up on all of the married people in the room because when God speaks into your life through his word and through times of prayer, uh, you don't have to filter it through your spouse. You can just do it. You can act with immediacy. And uh, and you know, uh, when you act immediately on what God does, you, uh, you find God working imminently in your life. You find him showing up in your life in incredible, incredible ways. Now, uh, Brian got to the end of this year uh, and he was a completely different person. Can I tell you, he just looked so different. Uh, he wasn't depressed. He was, he was like the, the most joyful, stoked out of his mind dude you'd ever meet. Isn't that cool? I got to totally transform them. He had taken him from spiritual adolescent to spiritual leader. And you know, uh, when you, when you uh, ask the girl of your dreams out, usually you're pretty nervous. You guys remember the feeling, those of you who are married? And uh, you're like, ah, what if they say no, right? The, Brian had none of that. He was just excited. He, he's like, there's this girl, there's this girl that is just amazing. And I'm just gonna, I'm so excited to ask her out. Can you, like, can you imagine how easy dating would be if like you, you saw a godly woman or a godly man, you're just like, I'm gonna go for it. And God's got me. This is, man, this is what happens when you live with, with God as your priority. He transforms you, he gives you confidence. Now, Brian is married. I got a photo for you, They're a beautiful family. Brian and Tristan and their little baby Noah. And uh, I'm so thankful for them. And they're uh, seeking the Lord together in incredible ways. But it started with, uh, with a life controlled by devotion to the Lord, of caring what God thinks and doing what he said. Now, here's, uh, here's the third thing, and this is uh, especially relevant for our church. Um, and I'd just like to suggest that, that we should not reject fellowship because of relationship status. Don't reject fellowship because of relationship 
status. You know, sometimes you ask God for a tennis buddy and he gives you a knitting buddy, right? It's just like, that's not what I was looking for, Lord, but, but this, is, this is the person that you need. And I'd just like to ask you a question. Are you willing to be in fellowship with the body of Christ on Christ's term? Because the spirit of God is knitting his people together. Will you lay down your preferences to receive the people that God sends you in the name of Jesus? I, uh, I think it's really, really kind of a, a crazy thing how God answers the prayer uh, to, to unite us and connect us and help us to, to love one another. I, um, for uh, about five years, basically from when we had kids until I realized I had a problem, my wife and I joked about not having any friends. We'd be sitting around the dinner table, <laughs> we don't have any friends. And uh, isn't that sad? Was, we thought it was funny. <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, a year ago, I'm like, wait, this isn't funny. <laughs> and, and I said, Lord, I started praying, Lord, would you send me some brothers in Christ who I can call friend? And, and I'm, you know, I ha- we have friends, but those people that you spend time weekly, regularly with, who's, who know the day-to-days in your life and are speaking into them, Lord, Lord, I need you to send me some brothers I can call friends. And it's amazing what God does uh, when you pray a prayer like that. Because the spirit of God has, he's already connected us, but he begins to wake us up when we pray. He begins to give us vision for the people that he would have us know and be known by and be challenged and encouraged by. And um, in the last year, let me just give you the list of, of ways that God has answered, uh, answered this prayer. You guys ready? I'll give it to you quick. So he sent me an old guy named Don who wears a cowboy hat, uh, who prays with me and challenges me. It's awesome. Uh, he wasn't on my radar, but uh, loved Don, so thankful for him. We spend time together weekly. Uh, he sent me the single dude named Lewis, uh, and uh, he wears tank tops and, uh, and has challenged me in incredible ways uh, towards date night and other things. Uh, he sent me uh, an old high school buddy that I've reconnected with named Barrett, who's challenging and sharpening my, my mind by beating me at chess. Uh, amazing, amazing thing. Uh, he sent me uh, a young uh, 20-something-year-old named Raul uh, who helped me lose 40 pounds and do a pull-up. Uh, amazing, thankful to Raul. So is my wife. Uh, and uh, so, uh, so fellas, uh, go, uh, go uh, hang out with Raul. It's amazing. And, uh, and here's the thing. None of these people were on my radar. None of them. None of them ran in, in the circles that I run. But God sent them. But God sent them. And here's the thing. Uh, there, are, there are dozens, maybe hundreds of married men in the room who feel the same way that I did. And you need single people. And you need them. And you need the old people in your life if you're in your, your 20s and 30s. No offense. No offense. Love you. And, and here's the deal. If you're, like, if, you're, if, you're, if you're 80 or over, man, you gotta, you gotta get in front of as many young people as you can because they need you in a big big way. This is what the body of Christ looks like. There are hundreds of single people in our church that need the rest of the body. And the same is true for you married folks. We just got to open our eyes. And when you open your eyes by beginning to ask God, God, who would you have me know and love to the glory of God? Amen. Man, we, man, can you imagine what our church would look like if we allowed the spirit to unite us rather than our preferences? Can you imagine what our church would look like if we allowed fellowship to be born of the spirit rather than our calendars? Man, this church, man, this church would, would double in a year because, man, that's how people know that you're disciples. It's how you love one another. It's crazy what happens when, when the church, man, ask God to knit them together 
in fellowship. Here's the last thing. And, uh, and I think this is really important. It, it may seem counterintuitive, uh, but it's this. Make an honest resolution about your romantic desires. If you're single in the room, you just got to make an honest resolution. You've got to make a decision. I, uh, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to pursue ministry for a, a long time before I told anybody about it. You know, in fact, I wouldn't even talk to God about it. I'm like, I think I want to do this. And, uh, and the reason that I didn't, I didn't want to tell anybody, I didn't want to talk to God about it, is because as soon as you tell somebody what you want, they can tell you no. They can tell you no. And it's, it's, a, it's, a really, uh, it's a really funny trap that we find ourselves in. We sort of live with uh, feet on both sides of the fence. And we're like, I'm going to wait and see what happens. May, maybe it'll work out. Maybe the thing that I want uh, will fall into my lap. And I think uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of the single folks in the room, they struggle because simply they have refused to, to have the courage to make a decision. And I wanna just encourage you to be courageous. It takes courage to make a decision about whether or not you wanna be single or you wanna be married. Because either way, someone's gonna have an opinion about it, right? And, uh, and this is exactly what we see happening in this church in Corinth as Paul gives advice to a group of people that are relationally dysfunctional. Listen to what he says in verse 36. He says, if anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he's engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sending they should get married. You see, he says, it, does he feel like he should get married? It's not like, it's not like, does God think he should get married? Does he feel like he should get married? And he goes on, he says, but the man who has settled the matter in his own mind who is under no compulsion. In other words, God's not gonna force you to, to go on a date. Like God's not gonna force you to get married. God's not gonna force you to stay single. Instead he says, the man made up his own mind not to marry the virgin and this man also does the right thing. Now notice, whether you choose to be single, uh, to be engaged or to be married, you're doing the right thing. It's right. God says, uh, you, you're not sinning against me and, in deciding what you want out of your romantic relationships, right? And he gives us some boundaries. Don't be unequally yoked. Uh, save, uh, uh, save sex for the, the marriage covenant. But he says, beyond that, beyond that, it's up to you. Which is why when you're like, God, will, will I ever find the one? God, do you want me to get married? He, he either doesn't respond because he doesn't have an opinion or, or he says, what do you want? What do you think? Do you want to be married? You decide and I'll go with you. You decide and I'll empower you to honor me in it. You decide. And here's what, what will happen for you single people in the room. Here's what will happen when you decide whether or not marriage is what you want uh, or singleness is what you're resolved to do, to live an undivided devotion to the Lord and to give your whole life to God uh, without being attached to a spouse is uh, you will be free uh, from the expectations of your, your family and your friends and your coworkers when they're like, Man, I, I can set you up. You're like, I'm good. Because, because I've resolved to be single, to live, uh, to live a life devoted to the Lord. And I'm gonna be good because God is good. Amen? Now here's the other end. Uh, you don't have to be single. It's truly you don't. Uh, but when you resolve to, to get married, uh, then uh, you, you no longer are passive in the pursuit of a relationship. Uh, you might have to, uh, to, to go on a long-term mission trip. 
Uh, you might have to, to move cities. Uh, you might have to, to lower your superficial standards, right? Like ladies, he doesn't have to be six feet tall, uh, you know? Uh, uh, fellas, like uh, she, she can have her own opinion, like uh, as long as then they love the Lord and are devoted to him. I mean, that's, that's really the only standard that we need. And, and here's the thing, when you resolve, you begin to take responsibility. And, and when somebody asks you out, uh, you better say yes, right? Until you know that it's not the right fit. And, and, and it, it frees you from being passive and waiting for it to happen to you. You can go after it, amen? So I wanna just encourage you to make a decision. Now, um, uh, for those of you in the room who are like, I'm not interested in conversations about relationships. I just, I just feel broken, I feel lost. Uh, the, the cool thing about the Bible, uh, the cool thing about who God is, is he, he uh, gives us uh, the freedom to, to step into marriage uh, as a reflection of the gospel. The Bible says that, that marriage is a mystery that reflects what God has done for us in the person of Jesus. And, uh, and as, as Christians, we know that God doesn't force us to, to um, uh, give our life to him as Lord and Savior, but he invites us to. And if you're, in the pers- if you're a person in the room and you have not made a decision about how you feel about God or, or hearing from him, I wanna just encourage you uh, to make a decision about who you will serve. Uh, make a decision about uh, whether or not you're gonna lay your life down for the sake of the Lord Jesus, amen? And let me pray, let me pray for us and, uh, and we'll call it a morning. Heavenly Father, thanks so much for these people. Lord Jesus, we love you. Uh, we're so grateful to you. We pray God that you would give the single people in the room courage. God, give them courage to live a, a life of devotion to you knowing that you're gonna produce joy and peace and patience and gentleness and all of the fruits of the spirit in their life. God, I pray that you'd help, uh, help the single people in the room to, to make a resolution about what they want and to trust you with that. God, to know that you go with them, uh, to know that you're for them. And uh, for the married folks in the room, God, I pray that you would uh, burden them uh, for the single people in our church to love and encourage and welcome them into small groups, into their homes, into their ministry moments and into their their hobbies. God, that we might be a a church that's connected um, as you described us. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Thanks, y'all.